So they uh, they they just used a, a house for exteriors mostly. They had a lot of sets, but uh, the house they used uh, was in Wisconsin. It wasn't actually up in the uh, Northeast like the original house. And somebody on IMDb trivia has a lot of information and a lot to about say this. about the house of Wisconsin. They <laughs> can tell you how many bathrooms and what size and so on and so forth. Well, Sounds probably, like the real estate agent is there, probably, uh, the real life one, right? Probably offering tours of that house. I imagine so. Yeah, what a weird website. It's a real deal, you know. IMDb trivia. Oh, look, you know, that's a great place. It's a great resource to find all sorts of useful research. <laughs> I think you're talking about the house, not IMDb. Mm, mm. Well, you know, the house has got those windows that peer into your soul, and I don't care where it's located at. I don't think I want it. My it's soul or the windows. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honorcast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in the film space course, and we are in Shocktober 10. <laughs> That's right, it's horror movies for the month of October, and we are continuing our remake marathon this time, uh, looking at Amityville 25. Five. 2005 words, yes. numbers. There it is. Uh, we're looking at this movie, uh, which is a remake of the uh, classic from the 70s, uh, starring Josh Brolin, but this one's got Ryan Reynolds kind of looking Brolin-esque at times. He's trying. He's trying to get that 70s beard going yeah, on. There, there are moments where he looks Brolin-esque. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. And I am Dalton until the spirit inside of Arthur's studio uh, changes me, and I'm unfortunately forced to be put on my back by Arthur, so you guys don't have to kill me. <laughs> it was great to see Philip Baker Hall show up. Was not expecting that, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't ex- you never? I mean, you never expect to see him, but you're always happy he shows oh. up. So yeah, this movie does things. It's got things in it, and we're going to talk about those things. And we're going to do those things in terms of analysis, which means we do not avoid spoilers. And so what we'll do to avoid spoilers for the first part of the show, in case you have not seen the original nor seen this one, is this: we shall do a synopsis. We shall then move to a bit of thumbs up thumbs down review we shall then play the game called expanding the syllabus and then finally with gestures as we are finding the exits of the airplane we will get to uh, analysis which will be business time yes indeed there'll be music to let you know that that is what's going to take place so without any further ado arthur please delight us with your synopsis please in 1975 the Lutz family find a still of a deal on a massive fixer-upper on Long Island in the area of Amityville. 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 <laughs> no sharks to be found. They're a bit upset to discover another family was slaughtered there the year prior, but the deal is too good to pass up. So, the newly married couple move their family in, but as they begin to unpack and settle in, George begins hearing voices and seeing demons. Is something wrong with George? Or has the house got its hooks in him? You know, a lot of people would ask if a murder happened in the house before they did the handshake deal. You know? Not in this economy. All right. I, I, I have... I have <laughs> That's the gas crisis. I, could, I forgot. You're a right. A number of questions I want to ask about this movie, but I think I'm going to save them for spoiler time. Got some logistical issues? Yes, a number. But we'll... How much wood could... <laughs> 
Would, would Ryan Reynolds uh, chuck if a Ryan Reynolds could chuck wood? There but we'll, we'll, we'll get there because I, I need lore Ryan on Reynolds. Jeremiah Ketchum. Now, that is that a spoiler? I don't know. Is that, a, is that even a thing? No, no one knows. that's nothing if you haven't seen the movie. No one knows, right? But I, I, I have oh, questions. Oh, I think that's nonsense, probably. Yeah, okay. So with that, though, let's move on, though, to our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I got a feeling which one of the two it'll be. But I'm going to ask you first, Dalton, what do you think? Do you like the remake of the Amityville Horror? No, I don't. Sorry. It's kind of a stinker. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. No, I feel oh, bad. Oh, I'm from Wisconsin, don't you know? Yeah. And I don't like it very much. No, Ryan tried his best to like morph his sort of smarmy routine into some, like scary stepdad. And like that almost works. There's something about his performance that like I almost go for. Mm-hmm. He feels totally wrong, and this is not the first time we've talked about Ryan Reynolds feeling wrong on the show this year, even, and I, I don't know what it is. Um, I think he's a very interesting actor uh, when he's good, and he's I think he's good more often than not. I just think uh, he's one of those guys that seems to want to do more character stuff and is too cute to do it, um, unfortunately. But I, again, I bring him up because so much hinges on him, uh, and Melissa George has a lot to do as well, but significantly less it's a lot of reacting uh unfortunately until sort of that latter part of the movie uh but a lot of this movie is hung on their shoulders and they're both competent enough actors but this movie is just held together with duct tape man there is you know not every horror film needs to be some sort of you know we joke around about the term elevated horror all the time and not every movie needs to be one of those things but this just needs something different there's there's no suspense between scares in a way that like i I feel like hurts the overall scare value of a horror movie there's just one as soon as the 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 frights start uh when they move into the house they're kind of just back to back uh, and and continuing uh there's not really a stretch of uh calm in the movie until late 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 in the game and it really is just sort of to set up the third act and i i don't know how effective that makes for a horror movie uh especially a ghost movie which needs some time to kind of let, let, let things percolate you know it's a tight 90 and i appreciate that it just feels like you know just because of runtime short doesn't mean you gotta squeeze all this many scares in and i think we'll probably talk about that maybe being a house style issue at some point uh in the next week or two but this this coming from Platinum Dunes, it just when you know the money that the names behind Platinum Dunes bring to the table, it just makes us feel so slapdash and cheap. It's it's just a little embarrassing, unfortunately. And uh, that's how I feel. You know, it's probably no one person involves fault. It it just does feel kind of like a, a cash grab, as the the worst remakes often do. Very good, very good. Thank you for that, Dalton. What do you say, Arthur? Do you like the Amityville Island Horror? Uh, the Rotten Tomato consensus of this movie is that it is a so-so remake of a so-so original, uh, and I feel that in my soul. Um, I, I don't think the original is strong enough material to, to go off of to begin with, uh, which I think really does kind of hinder uh, what we see here because it does feel like it's trying to follow in its footsteps rather than what we talked about with Dawn of the Dead, which just kind of takes that very base premise of, oh, zombies in a mall, mm-hmm. and then runs with it. You know, we really don't get that here. It's more of a, just a retread of the original, which I think is what hurts it. Mm. Um, to your point, it does feel like it's duct taped together. Cause I think there are a few moments that work here and there. I think there's some isolated scenes that are effective, but yeah, there's a couple the, of good scares, but in the context of the picture, uh, uh, on the whole, uh, it, it is just so, I think in my uh, letterbox review, I mentioned that it feels like there's about 30 to 45 minutes missing, uh, which goes back to what you mentioned earlier, that that's semi spoiler, maybe mm-hmm. right. That, that mythology they hint at, 
would have been a lot cooler if that was through the whole movie. Like, I, I think that world building that, that, that they tease out with like 20 minutes left in the movie would have been cool. Cause I think there's some fun stuff there. Yeah. There's, there's some bones but on that. To just, it, it feels like they were just tacking something on for a reason. Yeah, it's and, unclear if it was like a late in the game decision or not, but you're right. It definitely feels like, okay, we got to bring this into the station. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I do think that everything happens so fast. It's hard to invest in any of these characters. Am I supposed to be invested in George? Am I supposed to be invested in the kids? They really put uh, Chloe Moretz in danger a lot, but I don't really care about her because she's just an afterthought unless she's in danger. She's a moppet. Yeah. And, and, and there's that those, those things that just make it so, like you said, slapdash. Uh, there is something I think watchable about it. I think it is that quick runtime and that things happen so quick that I'm not necessarily bored watching it in that way. And like I could find myself putting this maybe on at a Halloween party. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just in the background. There's spooky stuff happening, but no one's really going to be paying attention to it. Yeah. Which I think I would do that with this more than maybe 13 ghosts. But on the other hand, it is bad. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. It's, Straight up, it's, it's just it's bad. bad. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I could find I, I've seen this several times. I've seen it three or four times. Wow. Um, I think I watched it when it originally came out on home media. I've watched it a few years ago, and I've I've watched it for this. So I've seen it at least three times. And I think I always like have this romantic vision of it. Like Amityville wasn't that bad. I'm going to try it again, mm-hmm. and then I watch it, and I'm like, oh, it was that bad. And then five years again, it's just here. It's like a cycle. Yeah, it's, it's like living in this house. It's it's like the Taco Bell of horror films. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I, 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 I really was going to give it a chance, but it is just not, not doing it for me. Uh, so, but the, the house, that exterior is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there, you know, there's things about it that work. Uh, Ryan Reynolds running around shirtless with that 12 pack for Ooh. half the movie is effective. Nobody looked like that in the seventies. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that man is yoked. Though. Yeah. yeah. Dude, He's looking great. Oh, five. Good for him. Gosh. Stupid. Is this before Blade Trinity or right at the same uh, time? This is, this is like contemporary with Blade Trinity. Say, yeah. yeah. This is, this is sort of him at peak hunk. Yeah. Uh, anyway, He's that's a beast. That's where I'm at. It's, it's bad. Uh, and I wish that we could have salvaged some more from it because I think it has has interesting things in it. Well, Dustin, we already know what you think about this film's beefcake appeal. Um, is there anything else to be liked about it? No. Oh. Moving on. Uh, no, it's just, what about the kiss poster? What What about... Uh, I mean, it is a kiss poster. It's um, just a scary period, daddy, correct, that's it. I suppose. Um, but whatever. I mean, I was thinking about this movie, like, is it too much style and not enough substance? Too much substance, not enough style? Definitely and, not that one. And it... It fails in both style and substance. What you need from a good horror film is either a very interesting, spooky set of bits of narrative that are just sort of told in a very kind of traditional, uh, non-flashy kind of way, and then that's a very affecting in that method, or something that's super-duper stylish, but there's some dots that don't particularly connect, and it has neither. There's a there's an image or two that is creepy and scary. Bathtub? That pretty much works. Yeah. yeah. Um, there There is... Closet. Ooh, closet. That's an a good idea one. of a house that will oppress you in a way that drives you into madness. That is the substance bit, but it really doesn't even. I I, I don't follow it. It doesn't it doesn't make sense enough for the 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 substance of it. And so it it, it tries for neither style nor sub- substance, and it fails. I mean, that really is what it comes down to. Um, I just don't like it. Um, and I, I don't know if there's anything more I can say about it is that the screenplay fails and so do the visuals and because it doesn't do enough of either. So I, I yeah, no, 
No, there's nothing else except for Ryan Reynolds being amazingly yoked uh, for me to say about this movie at all. So there you go, dear listener. Our thoughts are generally con, but that doesn't mean there's not something you can learn about this. And we're going to try to do that right now. And part of that learning might take place in an exercise we like to call expanding the syllabus. Dalton? Yes. What is that? Well, Dustin, this is where we uh, cash in on the promise of the show, the show where we talk about the <laughs> films you would never talk about in a film studies course. Why would you find yourself talking about Amity, 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 Amityville horror in a film studies class? Remake or original, honestly. The original is kind of a yeah, kind of a forgotten. It was a, a you know, a, a well received financially indie film for its day but the, the only thing the amityville franchise got us was the conjuring which is superior at every level i yeah i mean there you have it uh so again we we try to take a film sometimes this this part of the show is very easy this week maybe we had to stretch our wings a little bit and and learn to fly as we tell you how we would use this dumb dumb movie in a, in a film studies class there you go. Well, thank you for that. Arthur, what is your syllabus looking like? Yeah, I think this would be a module maybe in a could be in a writing class. It could be in a literature class. Uh, there are a few different ways you could take it. Because I do want to think about the house's character. Mm. Um, and I think we tend to think of that most often in horror. Uh, I think, though, that any film or story uh, wherein the home becomes a foil to the hero or serves in that antagonistic form or even maybe protagonistic or support form in some way, uh, this idea works. But there are family dramas that do this. We could talk gothic romance. Mm. Uh, where home is a big, the house is a big part, the estate is a big part of the story and, and serves in that role. Uh, and so that was kind of what I wanted to run with here because I, I do think the house is is pretty central uh, character for, for what's going on. It, it really is kind of the underlying antagonist of the movie or at least in a way they try to kind of cop that out with the mythology they add to it. But I think the house is primarily the antagonist here. Uh, so I want to go back in time uh, a little bit. I want to talk about Rebecca. Uh, we'd probably look at DeMaurier and Hitchcock, but we got to talk about Manderley uh, and the the ghost of uh, the first Mrs. Danvers and, and how that all comes together uh, and its impact on uh, the second Mrs. Danvers there. Uh, and I also want to kind of probably tro- fold in Crimson Peak uh, with mm. Del Toro and Allerdale Hall, which owes a lot to Rebecca and to DeMaurier and that, that gothic uh, tradition. Uh, so we talk about all of that. Uh, I've got to talk about the Overlook. We got to look at the Shining. Uh, probably talk Stephen King and Kubrick and both of their approaches to that and what it looks like in, in regards to uh, Jack and uh, the Torrance family. Uh, from there, I, I'm not a fan of it, but Poltergeist is on the list as well. Tobe Hooper uh, and and that movie's which feels kind of pretty parallel, I think, with Amityville. Mm-hmm. I think it feels like the closest in form to what what Amityville does as well. Uh, the remake, this, yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The possessed house and got to get out of the house idea. Uh, I want to venture out of horror a little bit and talk about Parasite and Bong Joon-ho uh, and that Parasite house. Um, Pretty iconic. Yeah, uh, it's kind of entering that echelon, I think, of these iconic movie homes. Uh, and the role it plays almost as uh, a symbiote or, or a host to these to the parasites that live in it uh, and what that looks like and what it means to each family and each people group that lives within it uh then we got to talk about the haunting of hill house uh, we got to talk charlie jackson we got to talk jan de bont and we're going to talk mike flanagan as well um mm-hmm. and, and just the the family trauma how that gets tied into hill house uh, especially in jackson's original and, and where flanagan i think manages to take that uh but i think those themes also come across pretty well in de bont's take on it uh too in 99 
Uh, and then finally, I want to talk about Hereditary. Uh, and this is one I kind of mm. went back and forth on, but I think the emphasis on the house, especially when it parallels to the miniatures mm. and, and what that facade looks like and how that plays into the story on the whole and, and the way it's been set up by the end, I, I, I think uh, it's settled well here at the end of this. Uh, I don't think it's as strong as some of the others, but I think there's still something really interesting there. With that house, especially in regards to the way Aster plays with it, uh, within the the set design uh, and just the story itself. So that's where I would go with this course. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart. Yes. What does your syllabus look like? Well, we're going to revisit the well. We're going to go back to one of our, our favorite uh, recurring segments, uh, a star study. We're, we're going to do one of those classes. I like these. Arthur and I have both done these from time to time, uh, but it's fun to look at an actor's career, and I don't think we've done one with Reynolds. Um, I, we've talked about him a few times on the show, but I'm, I'm quite certain we haven't really talked about his career at any long stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we would do. My man has some 100-plus credits on IMDb, would you believe it? And that's not even counting, uh, like, self and archival footage. That's just acting credits. He's been around. Uh, he was one of the Disney wonderkind uh, of that era, one of the, what, the Mickey Mouse Club kids. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably talk about that, that whole... <clears throat> Child exploitation. So he was a Mouseketeer. I don't know that he was a Mouseketeer. He might have been. He was. But he was of... with Timberlake and Gosling. Oh, was he? All... Okay, so he was a Mouseketeer then. Was, wasn't he? Because those the same group. Were. I don't know if he was in the same group or not. I know he did some Disney stuff. Uh, okay. uh, I know he was in a Sabrina the Teenage Witch made for TV movie. Hmm. Uh, but my point is, there is kind of a large body of work before what you could call his breakout role, uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder in 02 which sort of starts him playing the same part for a while and sort of what I'll call a wilderness era. There is this long stretch of his career where he is clearly a charismatic actor. He is clearly a pretty face and Hollywood just can't for the life of them figure out to do with him. Um, We'll probably talk basically about, mm, let's go 02 to 06 uh, Van Wilder to Smoking Aces, which includes Amityville Horror, but also things like Waiting and Blade Trinity. Harold Kumar got a White Castle. He's got a fun little cameo there. Uh, but then we'll pivot into kind of a, another period of, of indies for him uh, before we pivot again. You know, he's got Adventureland, Chaos Theory, The Nines, uh, a few others sprinkled throughout. Uh, but then he goes back to trying to be a leading man and trying to become a superhero. We've got the the Wolverine prequel. We've got Green Lantern. Uh, we've got the Deadpools. And we'll probably talk about that all as just kind of one brick uh, because he sort of does flounder around as a leading man. He goes, you know, pivots to uh, a few more uh, rom-coms, does some, you know, broader comedies with things like The Change Up, does another indie with Buried, things like that. Uh, but really, it, it is, unfortunately, Deadpool that kind of helps his career lock in and it is being a dork for getting to play that role again uh, for almost 10 years that uh, kind of gives his his career big legs and in deep into his 30s which is not really that common it's not uncommon but as far as becoming hot shit that you can sell a movie on it doesn't usually happen that late in your career but free guy man is making money and i think that's sort of the last phase we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about it as a, a sort of very busy uh, online entertainer, because uh, that's definitely part of his deal now, right? Mm-hmm. Is being online to sell the movies, selling movies as Deadpool and yeah. trailers. Yeah, like it, it's sort of become his Mickey Mouse in a way that's very interesting. Um, I, I can't, I think it's probably him and Hugh Jackman. I can't think of any other actors that are this closely identified. I guess Robert Downey Jr., but I feel like he has such a storied career before the Marvel stuff that, like, 
I don't know. He gets treated uh, with a little bit more uh, something else. Yeah, I don't know if it's respect, but you're right. Maybe Deference. it is that. Deference. There we. Yeah, yeah. There's there's something he gets because of his his work in the '90s that I don't think some of these other guys do. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, that's sort of the the long and the short of his career. Obviously, we have skipped over some stuff. Uh, Safe House, which we did earlier this year, but that kind of exists between R.I.P.D. Gosh, forgot about that one. Uh, there's just it's just a weird run for him like it, it's ups and downs and peaks and valleys uh, until he gets to this last probably five or so years of writing uh, all of his own checks uh, but i find him interesting and again i find this late stage of the modern i mean if you want a really good conversation about this the recent uh, blank check episode for their uh, john carpenter series they talked about big trouble in little china a movie that i gotta give a second shot because i, I know movie. i remember i didn't really go for it when we did it for the show but they talked about Kurt Russell and they kind of talked about the current crop of uh, leading men and how there just isn't, it's not the same thing. It, obviously, people said the same thing in the 70s and 80s, how there wasn't, you know, Gary Cooper's anymore. But it is sort of a diminishing returns with each generation of, of leading man, it feels yep. like. Uh, and they have a great conversation on, on there just kind of getting into the current state of it. And they, they spent some time on Reynolds as almost sort of an influencer as much as he is an actor, which is yeah. weird. You're right, though. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird era. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Maybe but we'll come back to that. Yeah. Oh, well, you think we're gonna come back to that? I don't know. Maybe we can. Okay, Dustin. What about you? How would you teach this uh, big old dud? I think what I would do with this is teach a class I have no business teaching that if I were in my own institution, I would uh, defer to Professor Arthur Gordon to teach the course. Well, when you are the chair of the department. I am not the chair. Um, Someday, fellas, someday. No. (laughs) Well, when you become the chair, then I can come in as a guest lecturer and really blow the doors off. Okay. Um, He had a very short tenure as a chair in the audience. The late, great... um, Anyway, um, I would do this in a screenwriting class, is why I'm saying this. And Arthur is much more um, adept at this particular creative outlet uh, in our discipline. And uh, thinking about adapting the true story account mm. to the screen. Your Texas Chainsaws and such? Or were you talking about things that where there actually is a true event? Well, I, I, well there's Dalton, true... this is a true event. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, but you know what I mean. As, as opposed to Blair Witch or Texas Chainsaw, where it's all... But this... There's is, a something here, I guess. You know, there's an original text, you know, of the account of the Lutz family. And there's an original text to William Peter Blatty's... Uh, the Exorcist that got adapted into films one time well, one time mediocrely, and I think you know um, the the mediocrity there is is a great opportunity for a remake that was missed here. And so, looking at the original Amityville Horror, looking at the original novel, not novel, uh, it's novel esque, uh, true crime account yeah. of uh, the murders, and then later the. Um, whatever happened at the house and uh, the limited involvement of, um, oh, those conjuring people, their names. The Warrens? The Warrens, there you go. Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine and all of that. And trying to adapt that then into a screenplay to make a, uh, again, a film of 90 minutes to two and a half hours or whatever uh, for that. And how do you make that turn over? I, I think it's an interesting set of questions because we can look at a very successful, again, uh, effort with The Exorcist because it's a great screenplay and you know a great film that freaking ends up directing there and then we have eh, performance and I think the source material itself is equally interesting in both cases and equally um, opportune 
uh, to take hold of to adapt to cinema. But for whatever reason, something fails there. And I want to dive in with my class, if I were teaching this in a module, as to what is that magic piece that's able to be put together there. And I think some of it is a zeitgeist of the times, but also I think some of it is just simply how does one pace, introduce ideas, characters, and concepts mm. in a way that is uh, entertaining and also moving the plot forward. And I think that's a lot of what Amityville fails at. And so looking deeply at the shooting scripts next to source material, next to the film product, and thinking about how that works and what's effective and what's not. I think that this is a good uh, opportunity to look at what works and what doesn't work and why. And for the uh, artists themselves in the class, you know, the artists to be, how they might accomplish those feats. Dustin, are you saying this film's a how not to? Yes. Okay. Yes, I am. So um, there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer. So with that, I believe now it is time to get down to business. Dustin, do you want to start with films based on true stories? We didn't talk, we've talked about that sometimes here. We, we have, and I, I don't know, um, because I think there's a way in which faithfulness mm -hmm. is the manacles from which you must get yourself free. Especially with like a true haunting story, right? Because, you know, yeah. if you tell it exactly as it happened, there's probably not really much going to happen. Well, and I, I was thinking also, you know, the faithfulness to the original film, because there's like sure, there's an okay. obligatory sex scene in here. There's some obligatory, like, use the voiceover, get outs, that do yeah. feel, they feel dutiful. Really? See, I've not film. seen the original. Have you both, or just you don't? I've seen the original. I've seen it. Okay. It's it, been a while, but I, and I didn't care for it. The, the, there's these moments in these uh, bits of iconography, the way the boathouse looks and those yeah. kind of things, the, the the look of the eyes of the uh, of the windows. I am familiar I, with that image. And the sure. flies, right? The, the flies, flies, yeah. The and, the, and of course, the flies are in the original work, which yeah. I've read. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. The oozing wall. Is, did we get into the, the walls wall bleeding? Yeah. The bleeding walls is a thing. I mean, I mean, there's a joke about it even in uh, Ghostbusters when uh, all the ghosts, the walls in the 53rd precinct were bleeding, says... Uh, I don't know if we do in this. I mean, there's ooze. There's that ectoplasm stuff in one of the walls. Oh, yeah, there's a slime thing. But I think the yeah. blood is a thing, too, in yeah, the I book. I can't remember. Oh, maybe in the book. I'm, yeah. I was thinking I about the movie. I skimmed a wiki. Yeah, I definitely did not read the book. <laughs> um, and I read it years ago now. Gotcha. So my memory is not awesome uh, at this moment. But I, I do think that part of what makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance... Uh, which is loosely based on the the story of Ed Gein, extremely loosely. Yeah. Um, which is loosely, you know, Psycho is also very, very loosely based yeah. on the book about Ed Gein. Yeah. Um, and the reason why those two films work so well is because they don't care about telling us exactly what happened. It's not a documentary, mm -hmm. or nor is it a docudrama. And uh, I think that is where a lot of times these kinds of films fail, is they they. They they gesture too hard towards docudrama rather than thrills, than entertainment. And in this uh, particular mode of cinema, which is entertainment, that's where it's going to be filled. I think it's a great Ed Gein documentary to be made yeah. somewhere out the, there. The example that I, I, I'm sort of thinking of that's, I don't know, both proves the rule and it is still an exception is Blair Witch Project, right? Which kind of sells uh, itself with a docu-series uh, uh, or a docu-special, right? When it first comes out, sort of 
the William Castle model of finding a hook for your movie, right? That kind of based on a true story uh, horror film versus something like this or something that's more of a true crime tale. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's sort of the weird thing with this to me, right? Like there is the DeFeo murders really happened. And then you have the Lutz family who like died suing this production. Like George Lutz died with a pending lawsuit against yeah. Platinum Dudes. Well, there, I mean, there's so many moving factors, right? So you have the original book. And then you have all of the, well, that actually didn't happen stuff with the original book. Mm-hmm. So you have all those questions already interrogating that. And then you have the, the original film. And then you have a remake that kind of has to factor in all of that stuff. And a whole bunch of sequels betwixt the two. Yes. Uh, and, and then, you know, the Wikipedia page mentions something about new information that had come to light since then. But Lutz is like, no, that didn't happen. And that's where we get the lawsuits. And so mm. I, I think it is a really interesting, how do you properly tell that story because i think you can i mean i think exorcism emily rose is is an example where you can do the drama thing mm-hmm. and incorporate it well with the horror right because you do right. have that courtroom thing going on that is very effective um and i think the horror stuff balances it out well uh but i think here it's just i, don't, I feel well, like you're choosing to go parts. through it with the procedural mode though Right. Yeah. yeah. You're doing yeah, yeah, yeah. it as a procedural. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think I mean obviously procedurals are very entertaining or yeah. we wouldn't have ten zillion of them on television, <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I just don't know. I think it's just this is a weird, you know, hodgepodge movie that that's trying to do a lot with so much bloodline uh, and basis to go from. And I, I think you're right. I think have you you know, it's what I mentioned in my review is just take that core idea and then run with it, mm-hmm. you know, to make a good movie. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the question here is what is your goal? Are you just trying to tell us the Lutz story or are you trying to scare us? Right. Or both. And you know, where does that you know, fail? Right. Uh, speaking of justice for George, he didn't kill the dog. The dog lived. No dog murders happened in real life. I'm, I'm, uh, I am. I don't know that there's a horror trope. I am more over. Uh, than the animal killing trope. Uh, well, I'm, speaking of, this does not feel like a safe set for these children. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is really getting tossed around like a rag doll a right. couple of times. Like this does not feel like a safe place for children to be uh, in a way that I don't know, man. Kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I don't want to go as far as actually. I might go as far as to say it offended my my delicate sensibilities. I saw I was that like, kid on the peak of a roof, and I'm like, I don't think it's really a kid. It's really there, but it felt too much for me. Too close to comfort. I don't yeah. know, man. That looked. Uh, there, there is uh, back to the IMDb trivia for just a moment, if we may. Uh, allegedly, did all of her own stunts or most of her own stunts, which is an extremely funny IMDb trivia. Is to say an eight-year-old did their own stunts. It is funny, but I, I don't know, man. Like Reynolds gets pretty physical with Billy more than once, right? Like it's kind of weird. This, this, yeah, I mean, there's that you know that mental trauma thing, right? When you're working with kids, we think about Kubrick and and uh, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Where he didn't tell what's his name, they were making a horror movie. They just let him do his thing, yeah, just to kind of avoid that trauma of it. But I think that the moment with, uh, I think it's, it's acted well, is that moment where they're chopping wood, and he's having to hold the wood, and he gets so aggressive with him. Yeah, and I think Reynolds and, and Billy both sell that so well. But can, it is also like, can this be healthy? Yeah, this yeah. seems bad for I this mean, kid. I think there's an effective movie here about like demonic oppression being some sort of root in. Um, Physical abuse or mental yeah, abuse. I mean, from the shining, parent. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. their example. I mean, we talked just a couple weeks ago uh, about you know horror as a or trauma as a, a, a theme in horror, right? Like, right. yeah, there's a scary stepdad movie in here that works, but 
this ain't it. Like, this, yeah. this doesn't take anything seriously enough to, like, actually have anything to say about that kind of thing. Right. Because it's, I don't know, it feels pretty tasteless, honestly, as yeah. far as, like, exploring that subject matter. Well, and then I think that's where the mix is, is that the problem is, like, there is a sort of weird way in which they're kind of going into the realm of the gothic romance with that Jeremiah Ketchum stuff. Mm. Which, you know, we're going to say this is like haunted ground because of these uh, murders of Native Americans that happened here. Um, and uh, that this spirit of, you know, maliciousness now indwells the grounds. And that spirit of malicious, mal- maliciousness is what uh, initially began uh, possessing the murderer of the first murderers. And then later on into um, what goes on with the Lutzes. Cool. Okay, let's let's do that. Let's go with that. But then it does that other thing about trauma and abuse and uh, you know, and just sort of garden variety kind of horror stuff on top of it, and it just doesn't work, mm. right? It is kind of interesting for there to be an evil missionary, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a haunted burial ground. It's it's uh it's some straight up a uh, masochist died with a big pile of bodies, a la House on Haunted Hill. Um, but I don't, yeah, you know, again, they don't do anything with this, right? right. Like they, they are trafficking, in, tra- trafficking, and some very real atrocities, and not really doing a great job of, yeah, play, playing in that water. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's another movie in here as well. I mean, yeah. the, the sexy babysitter that shows up, who is a uh, bad definitely, babysitter, definitely a character in a uh, typical slasher film, right? And uh, if we'd gone hard in the paint with the typical slasher movie, and it's just the ghosts are the slashers, and they're possessing... Oh, they'd have killed her, yeah. ...create a slasher, and they would have killed her, and, you know, we would have had a body count, and rather than, I don't know. Uh, the, it just There was an opportunity there that was missed mm-hmm. um, to make another kind of movie that would have worked, but because it kind of makes a little bit of that movie, and kind of makes a little bit of this docudrama and it kind of makes a little bit of this gothic romance and it kind of does just this typical haunted house story yeah well before the the jeremiah ketchum reveal right like i was even thinking man one of the things i like about was kind of liking about is like oh this is just uh the house is evil movie the the car is evil, christine Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. the the dude is evil in halloween like I, I, I'm i a fan. evil for evil's sake yes which is a much more interesting yeah like that's why we it's go that the strangers movies. when you were home like that that just nihilism of it I think is more interesting than trying to tie it into something so haphazardly yeah yeah for sure and again like with the allegory right as far as the abusive parent there's just ooh, there's no meat on that skeleton they barely it's barely an idea uh and that you know could be cool, but again, like it can't. As you said, Dustin, it's, it's got two or three movies going on at any given time. Right, just kind of unfortunate. Uh, it's easier for it to just be evil, though, right? And I don't know yeah. that can make a better movie or a worse movie depending. It makes on... it scarier, I think, if you handle it well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think. Well, and again, I hate to keep bringing up The Shining, but this is a movie that does something similar. Well, it does make you ask the question: mm, Is this a ghost house, or is was just Jack a, just yeah. a bad dad? Yeah, and I, it, it plays in both. And yeah. it, right, it does so very effectively and ambiguous, ambig, and with ambiguity, yeah. ambiguously, whatever yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's nothing there, but it's there's no there there either. There is sort of a. A long and storied lineage of uh, blended families on screen getting the short end of the stick. Uh, this is definitely playing in that territory as well. Uh, as one of the many tropes, obviously, it's trafficking in. Well, well inter- I, Go ahead. I was going to say, it's also interesting. The, well, the thing that I kind of thought about was the way it does play with the evil step-parent, right? Because we're so yeah. used to the evil stepmother. Mm-hmm. And to play with it as the evil stepfather, I think, is just... Yeah, there's uh, only there's, a few of those. Stepdad, yeah, right? Yeah, the stepfather. Yeah. yeah. 
Is that what that movie is? Is it Stepfather or Stepdad? I can't remember. Stepfather, I think. Is it? Okay. I just and, watched the remake. Well, you know, and I think the, the, <laughs> the novel, or the novel, or whatever, the book, and uh, the original film are really playing with this idea that this is a new kind of family. The step family is, is relatively, I mean, it's always existed. I mean, Wicked Stepmother since, you know, time immemorial, yeah. in the medieval period with those fairy tales and writing uh, that you might encounter, but the sort of 20th century American phenomenon yeah. of the step family is part of the weirdness of the situation, and it creates uh, various stages of awkwardness mm-hmm. in dealing with the issue and a certain kind of social anxiety that the family is sort of bringing into this. And the movie nods to that, but it doesn't go, it, it feels so contemporary. Mm-hmm. That it does not really get us in that seventies mode of thinking yeah. about it, this family. It can't possibly, right? Because at the time, it's like in the seventies, this quote unquote new family is reminding us. Oh no, it's like revealing the the falsehood that is the the nuclear family of the fifties and sixties, right? It's remind. Mm. No, actually, blended families are sort of the default throughout human history, uh, and it can't do that. I don't. I mean, Melissa George and Ryan Reynolds also as people feel very contemporary to me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't help, right? That number one, it's it's sort of kitchen table issue is a 45-year-old uh, conversation that's kind of over. And two, your leads look like they just stepped out of an American apparel. Well, not even that. I, I don't think the movie looks 70s outside of the costume. No. Yeah, the costumes I, are pretty good they're, as far but as even that, you know, it's not period. enough. No, it, oh, God, if no. They feel like costumes. Yeah, rather than dress they do feel yeah. like 70s costumes rather than 70s because i think i, totally of, agree. I sure. think of what Juan does in the conjuring so well is kind of emulate and tap into that 70s look in he a does, way yeah. that this should have the color grading right it is so yeah. glossy in this like it just yeah. feels wrong it's too polished yeah right yeah. right it's yeah. like an overproduced uh single yeah i don't know do we have anything else to be said about this I do want to. I, I have thoughts on Ryan Reynolds, and I okay. just need to work them out. Let's do it. This is a group therapy session about me working through my feelings on Ryan Reynolds. I've oh, your thoughts. mother, you say? Go I ahead. I think maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I like Ryan Reynolds as far as best I can tell from interviews. He seems like a great guy. Sure. And I I've liked a few of his roles, but I think Deadpool has both been his greatest strength, but also his biggest downfall because he feels so one note. Mm-hmm. In everything, I think the thing that we go back to when we look at all these movies where he was flopping as a lead, he's doing, he's making choices. Is that? But he's also, I mean, he's got such a very one note style. Mm, okay, this the very smarmy. sarcastic, smarmy thing. Yeah, and he can't figure out a way to tap that into success in his work prior to Deadpool, and it is Deadpool that allows him to really play in that. But now I think everything he does is just a version of Deadpool. Yeah, it I've seems seen, you know, to... with Free Guy, even voicing Pikachu. Yeah. He just feels like Deadpool. I was actually just about to ask about Free Guy if, if any either of you had seen it cuz I yeah. haven't. Had you? Yeah. Okay. But it, I mean it's that same thing, it's that yeah. meta gotcha. poking fun at myself, poking fun at everything that that style yeah. he has, which I mean most movie stars have that kind of thing that they tap into, right? It makes them seem relatable, yeah. makes you forget how rich they are. Yeah. I mean Denzel always is Denzel, but he's a cop. Denzel yeah. as traffic commander. You know, yeah. whatever it is. But he's he finds a way to bring different levels to yeah, everything. Yeah, right? I don't think Reynolds is 
that skilled. I'm with you there. Yeah, which is unfortunate. I think some of those earlier roles we're talking about, like there's levels to them. There's choices. He tried made. To, yeah, I mean, I think he tried to make inter- the voices is yeah. an interesting choice. Yeah. Buried is an interesting choice. Yeah. I think Smoke and Aces, which is an early one, like yeah. that guy seems sad. Like he manages yeah. to pull off like Haggard Cop being in his early 30s. And yeah, it works in that movie. So I don't, you know, I don't know where that conflict is because I, I think it's there. I think he has the potential to go to another level. And I don't know if it's just he's so set in doing... Uh, and Hibben's Bodyguard is another one, I think, where it's the same idea, right? It's that yeah. same kind of... Winking the camera. Yeah. And it's... For me, the more I see it, the less impressed I am with Reynolds and the less I want to watch anything else he does. It's sort of kind of got the Tom Cruise problem just a little bit, right? Like, Tom's only thing is trying to get himself killed now, and it sort of stopped him from getting to do any of the things that made him compelling as a, as a presence on screen. I, but yeah, he's still got he's that. He's Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's got his Scientology magic or whatever. He's he's sort of I, on another level. On his worst day, he has more charisma and pull than Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, that's kind of man. I hate to argue, I I hate to say that I agree because I mean Cruise is sort of Cruise, I, but you're right, man. He does. You know what I mean? Yeah. As much as you can love or hate or Tom Cruise, but there was a reason he was. I mean, and still can he's still sell the guy. a movie. Yeah, yet sixty something years old, looking thirty five. And will sell out a, a box office for the next five to ten years. Dark mm-hmm. magics, dark magics. Yeah, uh, whatever wizardry he's into is working. But I, I just I don't know what it is about Reynolds that frustrates me so much. Mm-hmm. And I like to watch his movies and support him because I do think he's a genuinely nice, sweet guy, as best I can tell. And I think he does interesting things. And I don't, I just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he reads. I don't know his, if he's so nasty in this that like. It feels like he's playing na- extra nasty to shake off some of that nice guyness, and honestly, it goes a little too far. It makes you not give a shit about George at all, really. Yeah, like, it's it's hard to get behind him here. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm just I've been having a lot of mixed feelings about Ryan Reynolds and seeing Free Guy, and I don't know. I well, he seems like valid. a guy that's definitely got a persona, right? Mm-hmm. To go back yeah. to your Larry May kind of stuff yeah. there, and mm-hmm. he's got a definite picture personality. Yeah. And then he tries to play against it, but he does not seem to either have the screenplays or the chops, one or the other, and I'm not going to yeah. give it all to Reynolds. No, yeah, it's fair. There, but yeah, I think, yeah. He doesn't have the screenplay or the chops to elevate beyond that, to do something else. He does not fully disappear into the role, and yeah. that's either his problem or a screenplay problem. And yeah, yeah. he's unable to do it. Yeah. Or agent's problem, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we kind of had this issue with him on Safe House, I feel like, right? Yeah. Like, we all sort of agreed that there was something not this, quite right. Yeah, it was the Although, same idea. We were kind of at different levels, if I remember right. I liked him better yeah. than that, but yeah. I think he's more effective there than he is here. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, he's he's an odd one, and I think that's part of why his career has been so strange, because he is kind of hard to figure out how to use. Because sincere on him he's almost, doesn't always work. He's almost not a leading man type, I, I think mean, is the issue. If he was less hot, he wouldn't be a leading Correct. man, period. That yeah, is it. he would be a if different he kind of actor. Yoked. Right. It's the same. It's a Brad Pitt problem, right? Too pretty, stays in great shape, and just like that's what he becomes despite not being that charismatic, which is fine. Like, there's a lot of actors who have different kinds of charisma. I don't know, man. They just started making them all at the pretty people factory, and they lost all their teeth. Give me an Elliot Gould, man. Give me somebody with a real squishy face. I guess, what, what, we got, uh, oh my God, Hawkeye. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. He's got kind of a squished regular guy face, yeah. but nobody knows what to do with him. Yeah. Right. Uh, All right. Do we have any other big thoughts on uh, this film? Well, let's render a verdict then, shall we? Shelf or trash? I mean, as though we I, I we have to vote, but let's hear it. Shelf or trash, Arthur? Trash. 
Shove a trash, Dalton. Get this turkey out of here. Come on. And I also say trash. There you go. Now, for those who wish to disagree with us, Arthur, tell them how. Yes, if you have strong opinions about the 2005 remake of the Amityville Horror from uh, Michael Bay's uh, Platinum Dune Studios, uh, then you can follow us on Twitter at Good Trash Media. Uh, you can add us there, certainly. Um, you could also send long form feedback to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. You can like, rate, review, subscribe, do that whole uh, podcast thing, and uh, let, it, let us have it. If, if we've done something or said something horribly wrong about the Lord and Savior Ryan Reynolds, then let us know. And God's will, perfect idiot. Yeah, we will right our wrongs. I promise you not. Um, <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, that, that's it. That's, uh, that's the social media bit. Go listen to our friends uh, where the praise down and. Will of Randy and Bad Girls Die First and all those great people uh, and uh, and let us let us hear your voice. All right, well with that then the uh, the marathon keeps trucking right along for Shocktober Ten as we continue looking at remakes. Arthur, I'm in suspense. Tell me what we got next. We set up camp in the last part of Shocktober Ten as we tackle one of the two biggest horror franchises we have yet to discuss when we talk the 2009 remake of Friday. The thirteenth. Dustin love Friday the thirteenth. So this ought to be fun. No Ryan Reynolds. No Ryan Gosling. No Ryan's to be seen. Oh wait, no. I don't. Is know. that one guy Ryan? That guy from uh, Veronica Mars looks like a Ryan, but I don't think he is. <laughs> Such a bro. And the Sam Dean guy. His real name is Sam or Dean, but I forget which it would be. Jared Padalecki. Uh, I don't know. That's it. That's the one. I don't yeah. know. But there you go. Uh, we'll keep watching that. You keep talking that, and we'll keep seeing you next time. You, win. you make pretty words. <laughs> I love you.